forest hut, and I bowed at the well before taking a bath. After some time, bowing became my way. It was just what I did. If it moved, I bowed to it. It is the spirit of bowing that informs this book. The true task of spiritual life is not found in faraway places or unusual states of consciousness. It is here in the present. It asks of us a welcoming spirit to greet all that life presents to us with a wise, respectful, and kindly heart. We can bow to both beauty and suffering, to our entanglements and confusion, to our fears and to the injustices of the world. Honoring the truth in this way is the path to freedom. To bow to what is rather than to some ideal is not necessarily easy. But however difficult, it is one of the most useful and honorable practices. To bow to the fact of our life's sorrows and betrayals is to accept them, and from this deep gesture we discover that all life is workable. As we learn to bow, we discover that the heart holds more freedom and compassion than we could imagine. The Persian poet Rumi speaks of it this way, This being human is a guest house, every morning a new arrival, a joy, a meanness, a depression, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Introduction. Some Honest Questions. When the bird and the book disagree, always believe the bird, said James Audubon. Enlightenment does exist. It is possible to awaken unbounded freedom and joy, oneness with the divine, awakening into a state of timeless grace, these experiences are more common than you know and not far away. There is one further truth, however, they don't last. Our realizations and awakenings show us the reality of the world and they bring transformation, but they pass. Of course, you may have read traditional accounts of fully enlightened sages in Asia, or of holy, unblemished saints and mystics in the West. But these ideal narratives can be misleading. In fact, in the awakening of the heart, there is no such thing as enlightened retirement. That is not how it happens to us. We all know that after the honeymoon comes the marriage, After the election comes the hard task of governance. In spiritual life it is the same. After the ecstasy comes the laundry. Most spiritual accounts end with illumination or enlightenment. But what if we ask, what happens after that? What happens when the Zen master returns home to spouse and children? What happens when the Christian mystic goes shopping? What is life like after the ecstasy? How do we live our understanding with a full heart? To explore these questions, 
I've spoken with a number of people who have dedicated 25, 35, 40 years to a spiritual path, especially those who've become the Western meditation masters and abbots, the Western teachers and lamas of our generation. They told me of their initial journeys and awakenings, and then described the lessons of the years that followed as they have sought to fulfill the true path of compassion on this earth. Here's one account of a Western Zen master's initial satori or enlightenment experience and its aftermath. Such accounts are rarely made public because of the danger that they will give the wrong impression that those who experience such an awakening are somehow special. Although the experience is special, it does not happen to a special person. It happens to any one of us when the conditions of letting go and opening the heart are present.